What's your favorite way to learn? I like graphic novels because I can see who's talking. My grandma reads the newspaper to me. I like movies on TV. I play learning games on my dad's tablet. I like reading plain old regular books with lots of detail. This is Worlds Awaiting, helping children read, write, see, speak, think, and listen. Here's our host, Rachel Wada. Let's talk about the age-old controversy, books versus movies. Whenever a movie is made out of a book, there are questions raised. Which one is better? Should you read the book before or after you see the movie? Does the movie ruin the book and vice versa? So let's explore these questions a little. First, which one is better? Well, my answer to this is neither is better. It just depends. It is important to understand that these are two very different storytelling mediums. You really can't compare a textual medium with a visual medium. They both have different ways to tell a story. For example, if we want to know what a character is feeling, in a book the author can just tell us, or we can easily hear what is in the character's mind because they can tell us their thoughts. In a movie, this would be just too weird if a character's thoughts were spoken aloud. So in a movie, we know how a character is feeling through facial expressions or the words that they can speak. Because these are two different mediums, fundamentally one can't be better than the other. They stand on their own and you have to compare them on their own storytelling capabilities. This is why, for me, a book like Lewis Sakar's Holes can be outstanding, and the movie version of the book can be outstanding, too. They both use their own medium to great impact and told amazing stories. On the other hand, books like Susan Cooper's Dark is Rising can be an amazing book, but the film version can be less than spectacular. So in the end, you can't judge a book by its film or a film by its book. Because of this, I don't think it matters which comes first, the book or the movie, since they're both different. I watched the movie for Because of Winn-Dixie before I read the book, and I found them both to be excellent. One did not ruin the other. Since they were different mediums, I got different things out of both of them. So for me, good storytelling is good storytelling. You tell stories in different ways using different mediums. And so, in the end, there are just lots of good stories out there that we here at Rachel's World think you can read or see. Parents often feel pressure to have a mastery of phonics or other elements of reading as they strive to turn their own children into readers. But according to one mom, Wendy Wilcox Roseboro, what has worked best for her children has been her visible example of reading on her own, as well as reading aloud to them and exposing them to libraries and bookstores. She talks to Rachel on Worlds Awaiting today. Brad Wilcox, Wendy's father, an educator at BYU with an emphasis on literacy, also offers his insights. Here's Wendy Wilcox Roseboro and Brad Wilcox with Rachel Wadham. Today we're going to talk a little bit to mothers out there and about how we can connect with our kids and engage with literacies. We've got Wendy here, who is a mother, and we're welcoming also her dad, Brad, who's here. Kind of fun to be here together. Isn't that fun? Well, and I think this whole thing about families and how we engage with families and literacies is so important. And and I know we all play a role, but particularly mothers, I think, play a very significant role in their children's literacy development. So, Wendy, just kind of tell us a little bit 
your philosophy with your children? What what do you think is important for you as you interact with your kids as a mom in helping them develop these literacies? Yeah, I obviously literacy is super important to our family and we love reading and books, but I think the first thing as a mother that's the most important is to kind of like reading yourself. And if the kids are seeing something that you do and that you make time for, they're obviously going to put some sort of importance on that. So I think the best thing I can do as a mom is just to continue to find time to read myself with my children, but also for me. And um, I do. I do do that with nap times. My kids are very young right now, so that often affects how you approach things because older kids, there's a little more back and forth or a little more independence to it. But right now I'm very much spoon feeding the literacy to my kids. Um, And that's hard. And I guess I had expectations growing up. I had a collection of books for the library that I would someday read to my future children and had all these ideas of how it would be and it's just going to be great. Um, And it so far has not been any of the things that I thought it was going to be. Well, you have to understand she's got two really rambunctious little boys. I have boys. See, I was picturing (laughs) girls that want to sit and read with you. (laughs) And I have boys who want to run and not read. Um, So that has affected, I've had to adapt. And I think moms kind of have to adapt that mentality of maybe it's not going to go the way that you kind of pre-planned. Because I know as moms, we like to make lists and have things organized. And, um, but if you can adapt and kind of create things based on how it works for your particular kids, then that's going to take you really far. I Um, think one thing I've noticed that Wendy does that I don't think I did uh, when the kids were young is she makes an outing out of going to bookstores. She she needs to get the kids out of the house. She needs to give them a chance to get out and go. And especially during the winter time when it's cold, then she takes them to Barnes and Noble. And so now her little boy will ask Barnes and Noble. Barnes and Noble, and I think good yeah, grief, they request how it. many little kids even know what Barnes and Noble is, but they do because she has made that a destination point, and then they're surrounded by books in the store, which I think is just a great idea. Anybody could do that. Yeah, and I love going to bookstores, particularly because they can see all kinds of books, right? Mm -hmm. They can see these are mommy's books, and these might be grandpa's books, and these are my books, and that they can see that expanse. Um, Sometimes when you take them to libraries, all they see is the little children's section, and so they get kind of a limited view of of the scope of possibility, you know, what what their future entails. So that's a wonderful activity. Do your boys like Um, uh, it? Just running around, or I'm, I'm assuming you don't buy every time you that's go what to I was Barnes gonna say, Noble, I'm so. sure mothers out there are like, <laughs> yeah, that's like, insane no! <laughs> because they're just gonna want to buy something. Um, I kind of set it up at the very beginning that we didn't buy anything that we were here to just visit the books. And a lot of times, if I saw something they were really interested in, maybe I would order it or get it later and then you know use it for a birthday or Christmas. But it wasn't to go buy something as much as it was just for the outing, and they just love. Crisp, clean, new books. I mean, who doesn't? And we're often in the children's section because that's where they are. But he, my older son, loves to just look through the Sandra Boynton books or 
the Dr. Seuss books or any of the board books there, and he'll just pull them out off of the shelf and sit there on the floor and look through the pages. And my younger son usually likes to be at the train table. But, you know, that's fine. And we just I started doing that as somewhere to go because it's somewhere I liked to go. And um, the library has story time and is really great, but my boys won't sit and listen to the story time. So at Barnes & Noble, I'm a little more free to kind of do my own story time or just look at the books. It can be as long or as short as I want. And so that's just become, that's where we go for outings. I think that's one of the things, particularly as a mother, um, I think that that's the main thing we need to do is just really build these positive experiences around literacy. So is there anything else you do with your boys to to kind of build that positive sense of literacies or, you know, reading, writing, talking to each other, that they're just good and fun feel good kinds of things. Right. Um, Books have become toys in our family. So we definitely do that where it's something that you take along as as an entertainment factor. But you can't do that all the time. And so we do watch TV. I use TV in my home, of course, as something that we do. But I found that if I put the captions on the TV where they can read along with whatever they're watching. That's been helpful. Great tip. Um, because they're seeing, they're, they're seeing the words as long as as well as what, what program they're watching. And we talk about environmental print, stop signs, McDonald's signs, exit, exit signs. <laughs> yeah. But but we also I mean her son even got excited about numbers when and addresses, you know, and he'd see the numbers on the street or the numbers on the house and then he started making that connection. So environmental print is great, but I love this idea of the captions on TV because then that also becomes part of that environmental print, not just environmental language, but environmental print. Yeah, that's a great tip. Well, and fostering I mean, it's kind of weird to go visit numbers on the side of the street, but that's what my little boy wanted to do. And so we would make that an outing every day and we'd walk to 1738 and we went to see the numbers. And I think if you can kind of just cater to whatever they're interested in, then they feel like it's important and something special. Um, I don't know a whole lot about phonics, but we do a lot of ABCs just with magnets and letters and watching YouTube But, you know, Wendy, you say, I don't know a lot about phonics, like I don't have a degree in reading. But they don't have to be experts in phonics. They just – they know enough just by being readers themselves to be able to help kids make the connection between here's the sounds that I'm aware of and then here's letters that represent those sounds. And so you don't have to know all the phonics rules. It's almost ridiculous to even go there because English is such a crazy language – and so I don't even know that we can worry about teaching kids phonics rules as much as just some of those basic things that all moms know. Yeah, and I think that's important, too, to remember, because not only do you have some sense of it, you also have a very intimate sense of your child and their needs. Well, as we roll up here, um, Wendy, tell us what is one of your favorite books, not necessarily for your kids, but just one thing that you love to read that rejuvenates your soul as a mom, like you talked about at the at the first. What's one of your favorite books? And then what's one of your favorite books you like to share with your boys? Yeah, um, I use reading a lot as an escape. I need an escape and something fun and light and happy, something that makes me just feel like I've walked into another world and I get a break from all the mundane 
Um, and so lately, I mean, I could tell you a million, but lately I really have enjoyed Three Times Lucky by Sheila Turnage. Have you read that? Wonderful book. Yeah, and then you uh, read, you said so there's I just, a sequel. Well, there's now two sequels. So Very I've read cool. the second and I just finished the third one. And that just has been fun. She's funny and it has a mystery. And I know it's still in kind of that juvenile literature. I do read some things that are adult, obviously, like Unbroken was a great one. But I have loved that for an escape. So I'd say right now, that's one of my favorite. Some of my favorite children's books, picture books, are things like the Christmas ones, the Polar Express. Or for me, it's the pictures. I love the illustrations. So I love Skippy John Jones. Have you ever read Skippy John Jones? That's a favorite of a lot of people. And I know my son won't understand all of it, but I love reading it in the Spanish accent. And just he thinks it's funny. And why am I being funny? And so that even though it's above their level, I read that a lot just because I think it's fun. Yeah. And that's one of the great things about reading aloud is that it allows you to address some of those things that aren't necessarily on level. Mm -hmm. That's a great way to end. Thank you so much, Wendy and Brad, for your time today. Mother and author Wendy Wilcox Roseboro talks about the influence a mom can have on a child's literacy development and some of the things she does with her own children to foster that. Up next on Worlds Awaiting, author Anne Martin talks with Jessica Rizzello of the Worlds Awaiting team about the Babysitter's Club, a series she originally planned to have four volumes, which grew to 35 books over a 15-year period. She also mentions other books she's written since her Babysitter's Club series and how some of her characters are based on personal experiences from her youth. Anne M. Martin is the New York Times bestselling author of The Babysitter's Club, Rain Rain, and many other award-winning novels and series. She lives in upstate New York. Here's Anne Martin and Jessica Verzello. Anne, it is such a pleasure to have you share this time with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you. You have been involved in the world of publishing for many wonderful years now. Your Babysitter's Club is well-loved by everyone. And just so much creativity. How how do you do it all these years? Oh, wow. Well, um, I started off writing, not writing The Babysitter's Club. That was not my first project. Um, I had written three books for young readers before that. Um, but I knew that I wanted to write for children. Mm-hmm. And then The Babysitter's Club came along, and it was a game changer. It was originally supposed to be a four-book series, and it just snowballed. Nobody expected it um, to do what what it did. And the four books were going to come out over the course of a year or two years, maybe. And in the end, the series was uh, nearly 15 years long, although the characters never aged out. That year after year, they re-entered eighth grade in the fall. So that was, that was amazing. It was uh, an incredible experience, one I didn't expect to have. And I loved it for many reasons. But by the time uh, it ended, which was in 2000. I was really eager to um, have a chance to create new characters, to write about new time settings, create different worlds. And that was when um, A Corner of the Universe came along and then the Doll People series with Laura mm-hmm. Godwin and several books about dogs and the latest book, uh, Rain Rain. So I just feel so lucky to have been able to um, to work on so many different kinds of projects. I love the diversity of all all your books. I recently read A Corner of the Universe, and I noticed that a lot of some of those novels take 
place in the 50s or 60s? Is there something about that time period that you just love to capture in your novels? Um, there is. I was born in 1955, so um, the most important years of my childhood were the late 50s and the 60s. So I felt very drawn to them. And I was, again, very lucky because when I was growing up, and my sister, my mother kept diaries for both my sister and me and also for herself. And every night she would pull out all three diaries and write in them. And after she died, I got the diaries that she'd kept for me and for herself. So, and they started the day I was born and mine went up to, um, I think when I was 15. So that was the late fifties and the sixties. So I had a lot of personal experiences to draw from, just going back and reading what my mother had written. And I think some larger historical things like um, the assassination of President Kennedy and a few other historical events went into one of the um, family tree books, the one that took place in the 50s and 60s. But yeah, some of my own personal experiences. I would say more than that, though, just memories of how I was feeling at the time, what it felt to be uh, like to be a, a kid and have problems with your friends, or because a lot of that stuff wound up in mom's diaries. And so I think it was more that sort of thing than maybe than specific incidents. Because I mean, children of all ages can can relate to that, you know, whatever and whenever it took place. I think children are still, oh, it's hard to make friends, or I feel left out, or or this was an accomplishment of mine, and. And I just, I, I really enjoyed um, reading A Corner of the Universe because I felt like you really captured Hattie and her 12-year-old mind. I feel sometimes um, intermediate novels say that a character's 12, but follow the life of an 18-year-old. And how do, you, how do you capture that so well? Oh, thank you. That's a really interesting comment about Hattie and being age appropriate. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I guess, again, I remember what it was like for me at that age. And I know this doesn't answer your question directly, but in terms of um, Adam, who was the other main character in the book, um, Adam was Hattie's um, uh, older cousin that, or uncle that she's never met until she is 12. Um, and Adam um, has some uh, mental disabilities, emotional disabilities, um, and those I was uh, for those I was drawing on um, an uncle of mine who I actually never met, um, but who had been diagnosed in the 1930s with uh, childhood schizophrenia. I think if he had been diagnosed today, he'd probably have been found to be on the autism spectrum. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, so I was drawing on very personal. Um, family issues when I was writing that book. So Corner of the Universe is um, a very special book for me. I think it's a special book for anyone who has the opportunity to read it. And I encourage anyone listening out there to to pick it up and to, to start there. It's a beautiful book. Thank you. What has been one of the most rewarding aspects of, of your career? Oh, wow. Um, there have been many rewarding aspects. I love not only hearing from kids with uh, fan mail or nowadays on Facebook, but of course meeting them, getting to meet kids and their parents, getting to meet teachers and hear people's personal comments, stories about their lives or about how these books have touched them. That's one of the most heartwarming things, absolutely. And then as a sort of a, a byproduct of everything that's gone on, I was able to 
1990 established two small foundations, one of which has just come to an end, but the other one has is continuing. It's called the Lisa Libraries, and my friends and I collect new and unused children's books from um, editors, publishers, reviewers, and organize them into small libraries that can be donated to underserved programs or to kids who are in the foster care system, that kind of thing. But I wouldn't have been able to do uh, to start either of those organizations without the success of mostly of the Babysitter's Club and everything that's come since. So That's wonderful to just give back, you know, when you feel like you've received so much. Well, Anne, thank you so much for taking this time to be with us today. I am so glad to have you sharing your wonderful talents with, with us here today. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Author Anne Martin talking about her Babysitter's Club series and some of her more recent books. We finish up the show today with Reed Wolfley, sound engineer and producer at BYU Radio, who talks to me about his current passion for reading that grew out of special challenges he had as a young child. I had a hard time uh, saying my R's and my L's and my W's. I mean, the sounds are kind of similar, but I would call myself Weed, and my sister was Warwin instead of Lauren. And so, I mean, I kind of had that um, difficulty but then in third grade is finally when uh, my school teacher, Mrs. Weiss, um, she suggested to my parents that we saw or that I should see the school speech pathologist just because they said it was an easy thing to correct if somebody would take the time to help me practice the motor skills that it takes to pronounce things correctly. And so I started in the third grade. I started meeting with Mrs. Mertens, um, I think it was twice, three times a week, um, in just this little tiny kind of like traveling trailer that was parked in the back of the elementary school. And the inside, it was really nice, kind of looked like your typical first grade classroom, lots of bright colors and chairs. But we'd just sit in there and we'd practice reading out loud and other exercises that helped, I guess, me to practice. And what I mean, the biggest thing was that she made me read out loud. I don't remember before that ever enjoying reading or doing a lot of reading, of course. I mean, it was third grade, so it's not like you do a ton of reading beforehand, but I don't remember enjoying it. And so once she made me practice and practice, um, I finally was able to, I guess, have confidence when people asked me to read out loud or to speak. And so it was nice to finally be able to say my letters correctly and then through the practice of reading, I just really started to appreciate, I mean, what you can learn when you read and how how nice it feels when you finish a book and those kind of feelings that come when you finally have confidence in yourself and in your reading. And by the time I was in fifth grade, there was a, I don't know how many elementary schools do this, but there was a AR reading program. AR stands for Accelerated Reading. And in a nutshell, it's each book is worth a certain amount of points, and um, you have to – you read the book, and then you take a quiz, and depending on how many you get right, it depends on how many points you get. And so in fifth grade, um, my teacher, Mr. Browning, he had this, the classroom goal, my homeroom class, he had the goal for our class to get to 1,000 points. I got really excited about that, and I really wanted to – I guess, do my part. 
I think probably after the first three weeks of the school, I had my 100 points. Like I was just cruising. And so Mr. Browning asked me to set a new goal since I had already ha- reached my 100 points. And the school record for my elementary school was 411 points in a school year. I decided to make my goal 415 just to try and beat um, Denise Barrington, who held the record. <laughs> and by the end of the semester or by the end of the school year, I had 500 points exactly. Um, wow. That year I read the series of unfortunate events books. I read all of them that year. I read all of the Little House on the Prairie books that year. Um, I read most of the Harry Potter books that year. And so it was just I spent basically my entire fifth grade school year reading. And that was mostly because my teachers had set the goal for me, but also as my parents would encourage it at home as well. They would just constantly be asking me, keep reading, keep reading. So you were motivated by the goal. Mm -hmm. But when did that meeting a goal flip over into enjoyment? I think it happened pretty quick just because, I mean, I think it probably turned in because I was reading this series and all those books were worth an amount of points. But... I really enjoyed all of those books. Like it wasn't ever just to get the points or to try and beat out the other record holder. Almost, I can remember almost every book I read in fifth grade. Um, another one of my favorites is called The Iceberg Hermit. I don't know why that book stuck with me, but I really liked it. It's basically like Robinson Crusoe, but on an <laughs> Arctic island instead of a jungle one. And and so I think I think it happened. Just as I was reading good books, I think it stopped being about the goal because I was able to finish the series. I mean, I think one quick example is I remember my mom was asking. She was calling throughout the house for me um, to do some chores, and I think she wanted me to vacuum the living room, but uh, she couldn't find me, and I wasn't answering. And so she just started to vacuum the living room herself. And she goes to move one of our couches, and there behind the couch, I'm curled up reading a book. But, I mean, I had just – I got so engrossed in the book I was reading that I didn't want to put it down. I didn't want to do my chores. And so I think that just kind of shows that I was really passionate about reading. Sure sounds that way. Read before we finish today, the speech pathologist that helped you in the third grade, mm-hmm. she's a patient of your father. Yeah. And she asked about you. Yeah, so tell tell us about that. Yeah, so um, it was probably uh, near the end of last year. Mrs. Mertens came in to um, see my dad for an eye exam, and um, she just—I mean, and my dad's the optometrist in town, so he knows everybody and they kind of keep the same uh, story going when they come in the next year. But she was curious to see how I was doing, and. Um, I think my dad probably gets more emotional than I do when he tells it, but um, he told her that I was, I mean, I'm pursuing a degree in communications and um, I'm probably going to spend the rest of my life talking in one form or another. And um, he, my father just expressed his gratitude for me since I wasn't there, um, that she took the time, Mrs. Mertens took the time to set my tongue straight because, you know, I I don't know what else I would have gotten if I would have still had the lack of confidence in speaking. Um, I don't know if I would have picked this degree because I love to talk. And so I'm super grateful to Mrs. Mertens, but um, 
you know, it just shows, I mean, all it takes is for someone to just take a little time um, to help someone. And then, you know, I can spend the rest of my life enjoying reading and talking just from what she did for me. BYU radio sound engineer and producer, Reed Wolfley, talking about overcoming challenges in his younger years through the help of others that led him to a passion for reading. Thanks for listening to Worlds Awaiting. Tune in Saturdays at 1.30 p.m. and weekdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on BYU Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 143, on the TuneIn app, and at byuradio.org.